Ready. Accessing library computer data. Hello everyone, it's Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 46 for April the 30th, 2006. Going to have a real good show this week again, I think. Going to talk about a really excellent uh, Next Generation Star Trek episode, some sci-fi news, uh, a couple of emails, and the usual uh, collectible talks. So uh, I thought this week, though, I'd start with the 30-second preview to the Star Trek episode that I'm going to be looking at little change of pace, but I'll play that here at the beginning, and I'll be right back. So stand by. Here we go. Next time on Star Trek, the next generation. It's unjustified. It's unfair. He has rights. A Starfleet experiment threatens to dismantle data for android research. And what's at stake? My very life. No, Captain Picard is data's last hope for survival. What is he? A machine. And now a man will shut it off. Objection. On Star Trek. The next generation. Well, hello again, everyone. Yes, again, this is Rico with Treks and Sci-Fi, your bi-weekly dose of Trek, Sci-Fi news, and a lot of other collectible talk, things like that. I want to welcome everyone to the show this week, or this Sunday. This is the weekend show where I usually discuss a particular episode of Star Trek or a movie or a TV show, also uh, talk about some general sci-fi news and other information. The format today, what we're going to be talking about, is going to start off with some sci-fi commentary and news about uh, a little bit more about the Star Trek movie, things that I've heard, and some other general sci-fi news. Then I'm going to talk about a couple of emails that I've gotten with, uh, there's a little music uh, segment in there and then we'll get to the episode that you just heard the preview for which is from the second season of star trek the next generation uh, the measure of a man really really excellent episode uh, centering on data and we'll get to that in a few the first uh thing that i'd like to talk about is a couple of things that i've heard more about the this proposed star trek film for about two years from now for 2008 uh, with jj abrams working on that First, I'd like to say I hope everyone enjoyed the the Skype call uh, podcast uh, this past uh, midweek Wednesday that was released. I think it came out pretty good. I think there were a lot of really great ideas thrown around for uh, both the movie and TV uh, future of Star Trek. Again, I'd like to thank everyone that participated in the call, and we're probably going to try to do that about once a month or so to just try to get everyone coordinated with their schedules and timing, and we will... uh, some of those I'll release on the podcast, and some we'll just get together and talk. On the uh, on the Trek movie front, there's a bit more information that's come out in the last few days. Uh, the biggest thing, I guess, basically, is J.J. Abrams himself has been commenting that some of the early reports that were released about the setting and, the, and everything, uh, the sort of storyline a little bit about the Star Trek proposed movie, are not necessarily true. Uh, what what we do know right now for for sure is that J.J. Abrams has been tapped uh, and I guess you call it hired to do the next Star Trek film, probably both writing, producing, and maybe directing. Not necessarily directing yet, from what I've read. The biggest thing about this though is that he is sort of denying a little bit these reports of it being a Starfleet Academy film set uh, in the early days of Kirk and Spock uh, at Starfleet Academy. He's saying that that is not necessarily going to be the uh, the scope of the of the film, 
which is kind of interesting because it, you know, the way it was reported initially, he says that's a possibility. He's also sort of tossed out there that uh, he'd like to have uh, maybe even some of the original series actors back in this film somehow. So it, I think it's basically safe to say that it's all kind of up in the air. I mean, the truth of it is there's probably some different story elements that are being tossed around, and there's no script written, so anything could happen or change. And, of course, stay tuned to this podcast, and I will try to keep you guys all up to date on this uh, continuing story, which should be uh, really interesting to follow uh, now that uh, we have some new trek to look forward to on the big screen and and who knows maybe perhaps a uh, a television series in the near future oh one thing before i've got a few other sci-fi news stories to talk about the one thing i wanted to mention though if anyone had some difficulty with accessing the uh, treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com website towards the end of last week i had to renew my um, url you know you have domain name uh, renewal came up and the problem was I had been using an old email account for, uh, you know, that's the one they had on record. And so they sent me all these, of course, notices, hey, renew your domain name, renew your domain name, what are you doing, please renew your domain, you know, all this. And I don't really check that old account very often, and basically what happened is the, the time elapsed, and a couple of people, uh, nice members on the forums, and a couple a couple of others uh, emailed me at the email, the, the normal one that I'm using now, treksf at gmail.com, and said, hey, what's going on with your site? They all were thinking, oh, you, you haven't quit on us, have you, or you disappeared? And basically, no, no, it, the domain just basically expired, so then I had to go to the um, the host that I, or the domain registration service that I use and re-register it, and it takes, uh, yeah, two, or, you know, maybe 24 hours to 48 or so for everything to sort of rework itself in the system, it's not immediate. The, the minute you, you do that, you have to what's called point your domain at the host service that I use because the domain registration and the host service are not the same company, uh, which is kind of, that eh, makes it a little more complicated. Don't want to get into all the little details, but the, the essence of it was it, it kind of messed the site up in the feed on iTunes and, and all that good stuff for a, about 24 to 48 hours there. But from what I can see right now in the last uh, day or so it, or more, it's been solid. I think it's, everything's working well. So I'm hoping uh, no one is continuing to still have trouble. If you are, you know, make sure to refresh your browser, empty your cache perhaps, because sometimes those things see that uh, a domain might be down or there's a problem with it, and unless you refresh things, it, it may not work properly. So Hopefully all will be well for now, and I renewed the domain. I'm not going anywhere. Everything's fine. The, everything's up, the forums, the feeds, etc. So this podcast should be no problem for everyone to get. But I think the Wednesday show especially, people, because uh, it happened a little after that, and people were having some difficulty getting it. So all should be well now. Thanks for your patience, and sorry about that uh, little hiccup there. Well, it looks like uh, the Sci-Fi Channel is really going uh, great guns right now for new sci-fi programming. They have quite a few new new programs, about four or five new programs in development, uh, the biggest of which is this spin-off of Battlestar Galactica that I've heard about and some of you may know about already. Basically, this the way they, that I've read and what this is supposed to be, uh, Ron Moore, uh, the executive producer of Battlestar, is, is working on it along with a lot of the other writers and producers of the current Battlestar TV show. 
But this new show is going to be called uh, Caprica. I'm not sure if that's official or if that's just sort of a working title. But it's supposed to be uh, a prequel-type series. It's supposed to be set around 50, approximately 50 years before the events of the miniseries and the current Battlestar Galactica, back when Cylons are first, uh, not first created, I don't think. I think it's maybe when they're going to be created from the sort of machine-like Cylons to the human-looking Cylons. I'm not really sure on the exact timing and details and everything. I don't think they want to give a lot away, but it's a prequel series. It's supposed to be set 50 years approximately, like I said, before the current one, and showing the the early days and, you know, the Galactica will be still, I think, around, you know, in its early days in a a lot better shape than it is now. Uh, So that, that should be really interesting. I mean, there's been some people, I've read some comments on this, you know, kind of moaning and groaning about, hey, you know, a prequel series, why would they do that already, a spinoff series, but um, I always try to be the glasses half full kind of guy, and, and of course I want to wait and see what this turns out to be, but I, I really have a lot of confidence in Ron Moore and his team. They've done great a great job with Battlestar, and I think there's a huge amount of more wealth of uh, stories and material that they can produce and do. So I, I think this would be a good thing. I mean, it's kind of like I, I feel both Stargate and Stargate Atlantis are both good shows, and I don't think really one takes away from the other too much. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. I don't see any timing on this series yet. I don't see any kind of idea when it's going to be out. Uh, I would imagine it's at least a year away approximately, more or less. Uh, I would think we wouldn't see it any any sooner than 2007 sometime. So got that to look forward to. If you go to... Um, the sci-fi.com website and under there's a service on there called sci-fi wire which is very good i also have a feed of theirs running on the sci-fi news link if you go to the treksf.com website they have their four or five other shows listed one of them sounds sort of like a lost kind of thing where uh, a group of strangers uh, the the storyline for this they they kind of awaken in a deserted town with no memory of how they arrived and only to realize there is no escape. It's called Persons Unknown. It's supposed to be some sort of surreal mind game type series. Again, it sounds a lot like Lost to me a little bit, so we'll see how that turns out. There's a few other ones that are listed, uh, sort of some reality uh, series, reality type series going on. Um, but I think they've got some good ideas here, and I, I really, uh, you know, any more sci-fi programming is okay with me. I mean, there'll be some things that are good, I'm sure, and some things that aren't as good, but... Uh, more of it's always good. So take a look again at sci-fi.com, sci-fi wire for more information about these new uh, TV series. Incoming transmission, Captain. The first uh, email that I want to talk about here, there's not much on the email side of it to talk about. It's a, it's from our buddy D on the forums. He sent a uh, audio file, a song actually uh, of who is, excuse me, sung by Robert Picardo, who played the Doctor on Star Trek Voyager. And the name of this uh, song that he sent to me is called 16 Hours on the Voyager Set, and I thought this would be fun to play. So listen to this. Thanks, Dee, by the way, for sending this. Here we go. Sixteen hours and what do you get? Another day of shooting on the Voyager set. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the Voyager show. Well, 
the studio is making undisclosable sums on my little action figure with opposable thumbs. My lawyer said to sue him, get your share of the pie, and we'll settle out of court shortly after you die. I have 16 hours, and what do you get? Another day of shooting on the Voyager set. Say, Peter, don't you call me, cause I can go. I owe my soul to the Voyager show. Well, I spend every weekend all over the place promoting the show, autographing my face. The fans are mighty friendly, and they laugh from the start. But they laugh at Ethan Phillips, can they tell us apart? Ah, 16 hours, and what do you get? Another day of shooting on the Voyager set. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can go. I owe my soul to the Voyager show. to fold Holograms are screwed cause they can never look old when St. Peter finally calls me Here's one thing I bet He'll ask if he and Jesus He'll ask If he and Jesus He'll ask if he and Jesus Can visit the set thanks a lot for sending that in d that uh i really like that it was kind of neat uh, robert picardo is a, a real versatile actor he's been showing up on uh, stargate uh and i think he's going to show up on stargate atlantis uh, next season so thanks again d for that for that wonderful little uh song from uh, our favorite doctor on voyager got another email here from uh, jay rogers uh jay says I had an idea for a podcast. Don't know if it'd work or not, but what about audio commentary for a particular TOS episode? You could watch and make the comments as you watch the episode. I don't know if you'd be able to comment through the whole episode or not, but I thought it might be a fun idea, he says. Then maybe your kids could comment with you. That's a, Yeah, Jay, I, I thought about that, especially since I use a lot of audio clips uh, when I talk about the particular episodes, and I may just do that as a show here in the next few weeks. I may just take a particular probably star trek episode of course and have it slow sort of lowly playing you know quietly in the background so you can kind of hear where i'm at with it and just comment on it like uh you know these people that do movie and tv commentaries for dvds these days so thanks that's a real good idea jay and uh, i'm definitely going to try that sometime okay the last email here i want to talk about is from someone named aaron head aaron uh, writes he says, enjoys your comments about the much-discussed Star Trek Eleven, which is the, would be the next movie. I'm all for new blood coming into the franchise, but I sense that these guys are going to throw lots of continuity out the window just as Enterprise did. 
I failed to understand the desire to go back and tell the prequel stories. Star Trek has always been about going forward. This backward trekking, reimagining of the future's past irritates the heck out of me. Uh, he goes on to talk about Nemesis a little bit, which he didn't care for. And he says, These genre films are built on the backs of fans seeing them over and over again. The fans won't pay for repeated viewings of a lousy product, no matter how pointy the ears are. So, <laughs> I'm all for returning to the roots of Trek that's boldly going, but not boldly going back where no one's been before. But uh, he Basically, he's, he's saying in a nutshell, he doesn't like the idea of a, of a prequel movie or probably another prequel TV show or anything like that, which, well, there's no talk about another TV show right now. Uh, Aaron, I kind of agree with you, and we talked about this a little bit uh, on the last on the Skype call podcast. The one thing I keep in mind that, uh, especially since I commented earlier about the movie and the talk with JJ, nothing's set in stone right now. Who knows what this is going to turn out to be or what time frame it's going to be set in. I think, uh, again, I, I really do believe JJ Abrams uh, will be bringing good things to Star Trek. He's a very talented guy in in writing and directing and all that. He's got Mission Impossible 3 coming out, which, by the way, I I have heard the new Superman, full Superman Returns trailer will be uh, along with the Mission Impossible movie in theaters. You know, it'll be attached to that kind of a... If you go see Mission Impossible 3, you should see the new Superman trailer. But, of course, it'll be on the Internet the next next day anyway. so. So that's good. I'm looking forward to that film, too. But anyway, Aaron, uh, back to your comments. Well, I just have to wait and see really how this turns out. I, I think um, you know part of the thing we talked about on the Skype call was just multiple people all having their ideas thrown in on what they should do, and I think they need to get away from that a little bit and, and have one guy focus in on this. And uh, that's why I kind of think J.J. will be good, because I think he'll bring focus to Star Trek, which is what it needs. So with that, I think that's going to end the, the email talk. There were a few others, but I responded to them, I think, uh, across email and, and that. So let's get on with the uh, Star Trek analysis for the week. Okay, like I said earlier in this in the show here, the episode for this week is going to be for... Um, or from the next generation, excuse me. It is called The Measure of a Man. This is from the second season of Next Generation, and I'm going to pull over uh, my uh, little guidebook here. This is uh, written by Melinda Snodgrass, who wrote quite a few episodes. It's directed by Robert uh, Shearer, and let's just go through the cast. There's um, This is, of course, the story of the, the episode where they have the courtroom drama with Data on trial of whether he's really the property of Starfleet because there's this guy named Maddox, Commander Maddox, that wants to basically disassemble Data and find out what makes him tick and build a, a whole army of Datas. But the, uh, let's see, Commander, so we have Commander Bruce Maddox, played by Brian Brophy. Um, we have uh, Captain uh, Louvois, played by Amanda McBroom. Uh, and those are the main two that are in this a lot. Uh, O'Brien's in it, Cole Meany, of course, Guinan's in this, which I have an audio of her. Um, but uh, let's just talk about this episode. Now, this is the um, the thrust of this episode with Data here is is basically is he is he sentient? Is he alive? Does he have rights? And I think this is uh, it's it's a real interesting episode. And I think as time goes on, is computers and machines become more and more sophisticated you know we're of course nowhere near the level of being able to build something like data although i did see something on the internet a couple of weeks ago about these 
robot kind of things that were being constructed in Japan. Of course, leave it to the Japanese to do this first, but some kind of robot helper to assist with uh, the aid of um, and, and care of older elderly people, which I thought was really fascinating. It's a it's a real good idea, of course. That you know the as time goes on, I think you have the the average the ability of people to live longer and need more care. I think is is increasing. So, but anyway, back to this uh, Star Trek thing. The you know the episode really puts in the forefront. Uh, you know what is data? Is he alive? Is is he just a machine? You know that has some pretty sophisticated AI intelligence, kind of uh, you know hundreds and thousands of times you know greater than like AI intelligence in like computer games these days. But it, it's become so sophisticated that it almost appears to be alive. But, you know, through this courtroom drama and trial that they, they do in, with Picard on one side and Riker on the other, they try to try to make a case for, or Picard especially, who's on Data's side uh, in the case, tries to make a case that he's alive, that he has rights. And it, it's really, really, it's to me, it's for one of the early, especially like the second season of Next Generation, one of the best episodes they did maybe ever uh or or just I, I think it's got a real good message in it and it, it's definitely the kind of episode gene roddenberry always tried to do with star trek you know it's it's interesting drama good character stuff but it gets you to think a little bit too so with all my little blathering on about it let's get into some of the audio from it i am going to play the first clip i have here is just fairly short it's just about some of the initial orders about um, that they want data and they want him for these experiments to disassemble him and find out what makes uh, makes him go. So listen to this clip first. Commander Data is a valued member of my bridge crew, based on what I've heard. I cannot allow Commander Data to submit himself to this experiment. I was afraid this might be your attitude, Captain. Here are Starfleet's transfer orders, separating Commander Data from the Enterprise and reassigning it Starbase 173 under my command. Data, I will see you in my office tomorrow at 0900 hours. Yeah, that's uh, that's Commander uh, Maddox there trying to tell Picard that uh, he is transferring data to his control and command, and so that would allow him to do anything he wants with them. And he, he, notice really carefully in, in the clips that I'll play, and if you watch this episode again in the near future, that Maddox always refers to Data as it. He never calls him he. He never um, gives him the you know the pronoun that you know he's he's a person. He's just calling him you know it as in a machine. Like uh, you know I, I I bought you know this new computer. It's it's an it. You know hand me that uh, that piece of equipment. He really, really is trying to push the point that, that Data is not alive. He has no rights. He's property of Starfleet, and I want to take him apart and learn what makes him makes him go. The He does explain a little bit in that clip before uh, the part that I didn't play for you about what his plan is, and, of course, it's not really the best experiment. It sounds a lot like, uh, you know, if he goes ahead and does this, the important thing to keep in mind is that data may not come back out of it the same way he is right now? That that something it's dangerous. Uh, he's talking about downloading his whole memory core into the computer, taking them all apart, and it, you know it's it's not just a quick like scan of data. So it's important to realize that data's uh, motivation and everything for this isn't just he's trying to be difficult or anything. There's a good chance he may not survive this this process that Maddox is proposing. 
and so that's that's really why he's refusing. And of course, Data initially refuses it, and he says, "Well, he can't refuse because it's an order. He's in Starfleet." Well, then then Data decides, "Well, all right, then I'm just going to resign and leave Starfleet." But the the thrust of the the courtroom drama that's going to come up here soon is that. Well, if he's really a, just a piece of property of Starfleet, it's not like the Enterprise, you know, a starship or a computer that's used on the Enterprise or any piece of equipment can quit Starfleet. You know, that their property stamped, uh, you know, Starfleet uh, property of the Federation and so on and so forth. And they're trying to treat Data the same way. So at first he's, again, like I said, trying to resign, but he can't do that because they're calling him property. And that's what leads to the whole trial. The, uh, the next clip here that I'm going to play for you, first Captain Picard tries to reason with this uh, JAG woman on the Starbase. He tries to tell her that, you know, we this is there's no basis in this, that, that Data has rights, that he can't you can't just treat him like property. And so the clip I'm going to play here is where he goes to try to reason with her before the trial to try to talk her into uh, his point of view. So listen to this. I need your help. An historic moment. I have been trying to make sense of this gobbledygook, but it's beyond me. The fact is, my android officer, Data, is being transferred compulsorily to be made part of a highly dangerous and ill-conceived experiment, and I want it stopped. He can refuse to undergo the procedure, but we can't stop the transfer. What's this, Maddox? has got control of Data. Anything could happen. I don't trust that man. We agree to certain risks when we join Starfleet. Yes, acceptable risks, justified risks, but I can't accept this. It's unjustified, it's unfair. He has rights. All this passion over a machine. Don't start. This is important to me. Yeah, Pat, Patrick Stewart in particular is just dynamite. He's just great in this episode, I think. Uh, his, his dramatic flair and his all of his Shakespeare and stage background really, really helps helps him in this episode. You know, it's very, very dramatic. The courtroom stuff, all that, uh, is it just fits him perfectly. And his character Picard, I mean, very strong in that scene. Very strong in a lot of the clips I'm going to play for you. He, he's, you know, he he trusts Data. He he saved his life. Uh, you know, they they're comrades, they're friends, and it really, really is a great, uh, great. Great episode, great lot of scenes in in the in this one. It was really hard to pick actually some audio to play for you. I wanted to play a lot more, like a lot of times it is. Uh, one thing I wanted to go backwards and mention a little bit. One little um, tidbit in this. You remember in Next Generation for the fans of the show that have watched most of it uh, out there that they had this sort of ongoing poker thing that they did on the show, where a group of them, the officers, would get together and play a poker game. The this was actually the episode, the first episode where they featured a poker game. It happens in the the very beginning uh, of the episode where Data and Riker, um, Doctor Pulaski, who's the doctor on the ship in the second season, uh, Chief O'Brien, uh, and I think Jordy. Yeah, Jordy's in the scene also. So all of them are sitting together playing poker, and it's a classic uh, situation. Riker deals a, a hand of five card stud, and Data's sitting on like. You know, three queens, five card stud. Talk about lucky, uh, getting three queens. And Riker, his four cards up are showing. Uh, I think they're all they were all hearts. 
So it, it looks a lot like he's got a uh, flush. And Riker, of course, keeps betting and betting and betting. Everyone else drops out, and then it just comes down to Data and Riker. And, of course, uh, Data, being the logical machine that he is, figures that no, there's no way Riker would continue to bet if he didn't have anything. Because uh, excuse me, Data actually has two queens that he's showing. And then, they, uh, of course, uh, Riker outbluffs Data and it has nothing but wins the hand. And it, it just kind of, it's a really good scene, and it fits well into this episode because it shows that um, that Data isn't infallible a little bit. And when you would think about a machine, it, it should be, it should actually be able to anticipate things more in a way. He should be able to understand bluffing. If he understands poker, he should understand that to some degree. But yeah, anyway, I just really like that, and I just thought I'd throw that tidbit in that, that this was the first time they do the poker game thing, and... And Data gets better at it as time goes on. He gets better at the game, so he learns. And, and that's another um, qualification, I think, for what it, what it means to be uh, alive and sentient. You, you can learn and, and adapt to your, uh, your failings or your mistakes and things. So very, very deep episode in a way, um, but a lot of good scenes. So let's move along. They, of course, get to the courtroom situation, and it's going back and forth. Uh, Riker basically... Um, really has to take the offensive. I mean, the, the way it comes down is that they're the two senior officers that are uh, on the base at the time, and the um, this judge advocate person says, well, or whatever her title is exactly, she says, you got, you you know, Picard will, of course, defend Data, but uh, Riker has the, the unenviable task of having to prosecute and she says, well, you need to prosecute or else the, this thing, I'm just going to rule that data is property, and he, he has to go to submit to Maddox and all that stuff. So Riker is, um, data is his friend. He doesn't want to do this, of course, but his, his job is to do it, to do the best he can, and, and probably in the back of his head he's thinking, okay, you know, Captain Picard, Jean-Luc, um, I hope you win this thing. And, and, and But he really works good at it, and he comes really close to winning. And I, I don't think I'm giving, again, I said long, long back in the podcast, I hope I'm not giving anything away, and it's obvious that, that Data wins this situation, so, I mean, or else things would have changed drastically for him. But uh, the next uh, clip, this was all sort of in setup for the next clip, which is a scene on the, it went through in the courtroom with Riker and it sort of interrogating and talking to Data about what he is and listen to uh, what they have to say here. Commander, what are you? An android. Which is? Webster's 24th Century Dictionary, 5th edition, defines an android as an automaton made to resemble a human being. An automaton. Made by whom? Sir? Who built you, Commander? Dr. Noonien Sung. And he was? The foremost authority on cybernetics. More basic than that, what was he? human thank you commander what is the capacity of your memory and how fast can you access information i have an ultimate storage capacity of 800 quadrillion bits my total linear computational speed has been rated at 60 trillion operations per second well, I think that's uh, that's quite a lot of data, data, and uh, pretty fast. So uh, I, I was going to do a little quick look up and see how that compares to like a modern uh, top-of-the-line uh, computer processor, but I didn't think I really wanted to find out the answer to it. 
you know, wondering if those them are computations per second. I, I think it's actually, what did he say, 60 trillion per second? That sounded almost a little bit low to me. Uh, of course, keep in mind that this show was done back before really personal computers were on every desktop, just about. This is from the second season, Next Generation, what premiered in 87, so this would have been around 1988 when this show first aired. So, But anyway, good scene. You know, he's trying to get at... Uh, Riker's trying to get at in that scene that the data was created by a human being, therefore, you know, and built by a human, and therefore was was a piece of equipment, a machine. Of course, you know, and that, not to mention that that human beings can create other human beings, and they're alive. So that's a little side uh, thing that you can think about. The the other thing that's going on in this episode is, you know, what is Maddox really after? Going, you know, what is he after? He's trying to. He, you know, ultimately, he, he's not really a bad guy. He's trying to basically replicate data. He wants to create uh, lots of data to help in Starfleet, uh, to help on planets, to just do a lot of, uh, you know, jobs that might be a little dangerous for, for humans, which is kind of a good cause in a way. You know, he's, he's basically trying to create a lot of robots uh, out there to do, you know, things that could be uh, very hazardous to human beings. However... These robots, these androids, if they're alive, what you're really talking about is you're talking about slavery. You're talking about creating a, a race of, of beings that are sentient and alive to do your bidding, to do what you want them to do, to, to put them in harm's way. And, you know, even though Picard questions a few times in this episode, you know, he, he does have to occasionally order uh, order people to, to do hazardous and dangerous things. But keep in mind, those people are there because they want to be there. They have joined Starfleet. Starfleet is not a compulsory service. You know, they can resign their commissions. You can leave Starfleet. So when Picard, they're they're there under their own free will and trying to help, you know, mankind, help the Federation. And they've made that choice. You know, all the all the members on the Enterprise and, you know, the, the various beings and aliens and, and androids. And that's their choice to be there and to do that. So when Picard orders them to do something, they've still made the choice to be there to follow their captain and do that. That's a very important distinction. But to create a race of beings to just be fodder out there and you know mine asteroids or whatever you want them to do without asking them if that's what they want to do is wrong. Ultimately, that's, that's what this episode is all about. Um, well, I'm getting really deep and philosophical here on an early Sunday morning, but I, I, I think it's important, and I think that's one of the real hearts of Star Trek and what it's always been about is about those kinds of things. And this is, again, uh, I'm, I'm using this as all as a setup to play this next clip, which is a, which is a pretty important one. This is a, uh, it's a little bit longer. This clip's almost a couple minutes long, but this is between Guinan and Picard. You know, this is what the second season Guinan comes aboard the Enterprise, and you start to have different... Um, times where Picard or Riker or somebody else on the crew goes to Guinan for advice and she's, you know, tending the bar and tend forward there and but she's always got the you know the right thing to say. She's always always knows what just a little bit to tell them to make them understand what what it is that they need to do. She just kinda has the right nudge. And of course, uh the the great thing about this scene is is Whoopi Goldberg is is, is a black actress, you know, African American black actress and um this, this, of course, this conversation turns to this slavery issue. And well, listen to the clip. I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I think it was a perfect scene to have her and, you know, um, 
Captain Picard and Guyne and talk about this issue. So, so here you go. Riker's presentation was devastating. He almost convinced me. Well, you've got the harder argument. By his own admission, data is a machine. That's true. You're worried about what's going to happen to him. I've had to send people on far more dangerous missions. Well, then this should work out fine. Maddox could get lucky and create a whole army of datas, all very valuable. Oh, yes, no doubt. He's proved his value to you. In ways that I cannot even begin to calculate. And now he's about to be ruled the property of Starfleet. That should increase his value. In what way? Well, consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. They do the dirty work. They do the work that no one else wants to do because it's too difficult or too hazardous. And an army of data is all disposable. You don't have to think about their welfare. You don't think about how they feel. Whole generations of disposable people. He's talking about slavery. I think that's a little harsh. I don't think that's a little harsh. I think that's the truth. But that's a truth that we have obscured behind the comfortable, easy euphemism. Property. But that's not the issue at all, is it? Yeah, that's a real important scene, I think, in this episode. It, it shows a lot about uh, what it's all they're all thinking and talking about in, in the court. And, you know, it shows Picard's, you know, thinking that he's not doing so well. He, you know, Riker's really slamming him. He, uh, he turned Data off. That, that's a big scene in this, uh, which I didn't really, that's a hard one to translate in audio. But the there's a scene in the court uh, where Riker walks over and says a man will turn Data off, and he has the capability of turning him off, so therefore he, he, he can't be alive, right? If you can turn him off, you can't turn a human being or a, or a living creature off. You can't even turn really a plant off without killing it. Uh, so so what does that really make him? It's, um, it's an interesting, you know, quandary, I guess, is, or, you know, an interesting thing. You know, the, the Whoopi Goldberg was really, really brought a lot, I think, to Next Generation. And th- this is a good good part of uh, what uh, makes this episode good is just this little scene. And I don't think she's got another one in here. This is her only scene in this particular episode. But it, it's perfect. It fits. She comes in, does the job, and leaves. And it it's just really adds a lot to the episode. And, and it added a lot to a lot of other episodes that she uh, shows up in. The next clip... This one, we're getting towards the end, and Picard uh, is trying to make his final case for, you know, he's got Maddox on the stand, and he's, he's sort of cross-examining him and saying, well, what, what does it mean to be sentient and alive? And Maddox has two or three things, you know, you, you have to be self-aware and, and that kind of stuff. And, and Picard's really going after him and trying to um, say, well, what makes it different? What, what makes data different than any of us? So, you know, how do we know that we're self-aware and it's it's a good good scene. It's about a minute and a half, so uh, I'll play that for you now. 
And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is Data? I don't understand. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for sentience, so what if he meets the third? Consciousness in even the smallest degree. What is he then? I don't know. Do you? Do you? Do you? Well, that's the question you have to answer. Your Honor, a courtroom is a crucible. In it, we burn away irrelevances until we are left with a pure product, the truth, for all time. Now, sooner or later, this man, or others like him, will succeed in replicating Commander Data. Now, the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of a people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. It could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others. Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Yeah, like the, uh, I like the, that line right there with Picard at the end where he's talking about Starfleet being, you know, that that's one of Starfleet's founding principles is to seek out new life, and, and that's what data is. I was kind of sitting here listening to that clip, and I was thinking about a story I, I heard uh, recently. This story was about a, uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember exactly how the details of the story went, but basically, in essence, what it was is that a uh, um, someone had uh, a man in a in a car, I believe it was, had struck a mounted police officer on a horse and struck him almost intentionally. Is is I think the way the story went that I recall. And the horse with, you know, the police officer was injured a little bit, and the horse was was injured badly and had to be put down. But you, know, you think about animals like police dogs and and these horses and things that are that are in these dangerous situations but they're not really their you know it's not their choice but are are they are they sentient are they alive i mean i don't know that's uh it's interesting and i know there's a lot of groups out there that are you know all for animal rights and i don't want to get into really a lot of that kind of talk but it's it's interesting to think about you know of course the the intelligence level of some of these animals both for food and for you know, like a police dog that helps um, protect people. You know, maybe their intelligence isn't quite, you know, as much as ours, but, I mean, they're, they're being put in harm's way, and they, they don't really have a lot to do or say about it. So, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I just wanted to kind of mention that just because it came into my mind when I was listening to that clip. Uh, so this is the uh, near the end and I'm not going to really, I didn't even play the, the ruling. Basically, the, the, the woman uh, judge in this rules that, that Data is is he alive. She doesn't even rule on that. But, but but she does rule that he is not the property of Starfleet, that he he does not belong to Starfleet, which basically allows him to make his own decision decisions excuse me, and choices. And he formally, of course, refuses to submit to Maddox's procedure, then, you know, Maddox says, well, there's no point in me transferring you and having you, you know, being under my command if I can't do what I want with you, you know, take you apart. 
and Data is always, you know, very, very cordial to him, actually. And he says, you know, continue your work because uh, uh, eventually there, w- there will be more androids. Will they be exactly like Data? No, there will be other androids in, in their own, you know, unique uh, events. This is sort of a little bit of the, you know, what what forms a person or what forms you? Is it your, just your genetics or is it what you go through? And, you know, even if you had two Datas, like, the, you know, you have this example in Next Generation, you have data and lore both um you know went through different experiences and both ended up being very different but their their basic components are are the same so and i I think the big thing with with lore if i remember correctly is is you know he has that emotion chip in there which data always tried to get and found out actually the emotion chip was was more trouble than it was worth actually to some degree so there is one last clip though for this episode that i'd like to play I think it's an important one. This is just at the very end of the episode with Commander Riker and Data talking about what happened in the trial. And Riker, there's this sort of this celebration of Data's victory, and, and Data's trying to get Riker to go to it. But, of course, he doesn't feel very good about doing that because of what he had to do in the trial. And he, he basically uh, you know, came real close to, to getting Data turned off and dismantled and... But I think this this clip is so important to show what data is really you know all about and what he's made out of. And well, listen to listen to the clip, and you'll know what I'm talking about. It th- this just shows that data is alive; that he has what it takes to be sentient and alive. So here's the clip. I almost cost you your life. Is it not true that had you refused to prosecute, Captain Lavoie would have ruled summarily against me? Yes. That action injured you and saved me. I will not forget it. You're a wise man, my friend. Not yet, sir. But with your help, I am learning. Well, there you go. There's uh, there's my look at the measure of a man. Really good second season, really great second season, next generation Star Trek episodes. I highly uh, recommend uh, that you guys all go check that out sometime again and uh, show it to people. I, I think this, this to me is the kind of episode that Star Trek was, was really good at. This is the kind of episode, it's not really science fiction that much. It, it's it's about what you know, people in a way, and and deep uh, you know, kind of philosophies of life and a lot of things. But but this isn't like you know, ray guns and and ships shooting at each other. So I I just wish you know a lot of people gave this kind of stuff. Even though Next Generation turned to be a pretty popular series overall, I think these are the kind of episodes that that everyone can enjoy. So and those are the ones that I try to focus on for the most part, doing this podcast. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back and talk about some collectibles, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Okay, before we get to, um, actually, it's just going to be one collectible I'm going to talk about uh, for today in particular. But before we get to that, I, I wanted to mention one more thing I forgot to talk about in the uh, sort of news and, and first segment of the podcast. There is a uh, 
I'm really, really a big comic book fan, especially the X-Men. Spider-Man I enjoy also. I'm really looking forward to the X-Men 3 movie at the end of May coming up. So I'm only about a month away now. X-Men 3, The Last Stand, I think it's called, or the subtitle for it. There's a new uh, clip online right now. You can find it through YouTube. Just search for X-Men 3, Wolverine clip. He's involved in it a lot. Uh, Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine. I guess this was shown just last week, Friday evening, I think, on The Tonight Show. But it's a very, very uh, cool scene. I have a link of it uh, for it in the forums also. But uh, the one thing I will say is, to some people, there may be a slight spoiler in this particular scene. But it's classic X-Men, right out of the comic books, what they show in this. And I don't think, from what I've heard of the movie, this gives away a lot in any case. But I wanted to mention that it's out and available uh, like I said, look on YouTube. The, what I usually go to to find a lot of movie news and trailers and information like that, there's a really good website called comingsoon.net. really has a good wealth of information about the movies coming up, uh, and they're usually the first ones, one of the first ones to show uh, links to new movie trailers and, uh, and various clips that show up. Uh, so check them out, comingsoon.net. Now, the... Uh, collectible for this week that I'd like to talk about it's a uh, it's a Star Wars item I didn't really have anything uh, Star Trek Next Generation that I, I've got sitting around to talk about and the, the collectibles don't always line up with the, what I talk about on the rest of the podcast anyway so that's not a big deal but I got this recently uh, and I really really think it's great and one of the reasons I want to talk about it this week is it's just out and available now so this you can still get uh, really easily uh, off a number of sites. So what I'm going to talk about is the, uh, it's a Star Wars item. It's a small statue, probably about a foot in height, approximately 11 inches or so. What it is, it's made by a company called Gentle Giant, and it's Luke Skywalker on uh, a Tauntaun, as seen in, in the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back, which I talked about just a few podcasts back. This is is really excellent. Uh, I'll take some pictures, of course. They'll be in the collection section, and you can get to it through the podcast notes. Uh, I'll, I usually put a small picture of the collectibles that I talk about each week there. But they really did a good job on this. There's um, the neat thing about it. It's it's a it's a sort of a ceramic statue painted up uh, to look uh, just like Luke did on on his tauntaun there at the beginning of Empire. It, it comes with two different style heads. And the one I've, I'm displaying it with, there's one uh, head where you see Luke, Luke's face, and then there's another one where he's got that, like, scarf across his face and you don't really see it. But I thought that was a neat little touch for Gentle Giant to throw in uh, two different heads. And there's just a small little peg underneath the head, and it slips on and slips off. And it doesn't look like it's loose or anything like that. It fits on there well enough that you can put one head on and put the other one and so forth. Uh, but they really did a good job. The coloring on the Tauntaun itself is just right, I think. I, I'll, hopefully that'll show up good in the photos. The pose is, is just just like in the movies. There's a lot of detail. You can see Luke's blaster on his side, his, his lightsaber. That, like I said, the paint job is really good. There's a, there's a series run of these uh, of 4,000. I got, like, number, I don't know, 1,200 and something. But it's a limited edition, 4,000 made. You can find these. Uh, there's a there's a good site called Andrew's Toys, uh, and I'll put a link in the the podcast notes. That's one place I know that's selling them now. Of course, eBay. Uh, there are a lot of others. Or you can go to just go to Gentle Giant Gentle uh, Gentle Giant Limited, uh, and that's GentleGiantLTD.com to find out more 
Um, but again, they, these just came out within the last few weeks. They're they're still pretty widely available. Really, really nice piece. It comes with a really good base uh, that looks sort of like snow. It's sort of bluish in color that the Tauntaun sits on. And, it, you know, the nice thing about it, it comes in a good case and package, and you can disassemble it. It doesn't, you know, you can just set the Tauntaun on the base and then pop the head that you want to use on, and you're and you're good to go. And you can take it apart if you need to, to store it or transport it. So it's Gentle Giants really doing a nice series of Star Wars statues and busts these days. And they've got a lot more coming out soon. And I think they're going to have some special ones at Comic-Con this summer, which is, I think it's July, August is when that is. And I think it's San Diego as usual. But again, it's it's a really really nice piece. If you're into Star Wars, and it's really this one was not that expensive. I think it was a hundred and some dollars, hundred and thirty or forty dollars for a small ceramic statue, hand painted, and everything like this. That that's a good deal, and it's a very solid piece. I think they did an excellent job. Like I said, and Gentle Giants producing quite a few of these, and they look nice all on a shelf together. If you get a few of them, the scales kind of match each other. And it's uh, it makes for kind of a nice little, almost like a little diorama when you put a, f- a few of them. They've got quite a few coming up uh, this year too. So that's the uh, so that's the gentle giant uh, Luke Skywalker on a Tauntaun piece. I think there's been people talking that they'd like to see them do a Han Solo version of that, but I we'll see if that happens. I mean, they have a little different jacket and you know, of course, a different you know face they have to create for it. But um, we'll see. They might they might end up doing that. And that's, I think, all I wanted to talk about in the collectible section. There's, of course, lots of websites out there and, and things you can find out um, about. Um, you know, eBay is a great source for this kind of information. So, And we're just about near the end of the podcast for this week. I, I am going to announce, though, a couple of upcoming things. First, uh, I do another Wednesday show this week, and we'll be going back and, and doing another Aurora episode. So look for that Wednesday. That's a definite uh it's been a couple of weeks since I've released one of those. I have released three so far, so we're going to do three more. That's still are not three in one podcast. I'll do one uh, on Wednesday. And next weekend's show is going to focus on the original series Star Trek episode, The Ultimate Computer. And I thought that was going to that'd be a good follow-up to do after this data, you know, episode uh, from Next Generation since it's another computerized mechanism that you know, the original Star Trek series focused on, you know, the M5 computer, the ultimate computer was supposed to be a computerized system that could be put on a starship in order for them to 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 put a lot of people out of a job, basically, and a lot of people out of harm's way and automate things. And I think there's a lot of things, parallels between that episode and this Next Generation episode. So I thought that'd be a good one. And, and, and it is a fun episode. It's always been one of my favorites of um, the original series. So we're going to look at that next week on the podcast and i think that will do it i hope everyone's enjoyed this week's look i hope i didn't get too deep and philosophical on you when i talked all about you know what it is to be alive and and things like that but i i I really enjoyed uh talking about that episode and i hadn't seen it in a while and it was fun to look back at it so and i am going to get out of here now i got a little gathering of some people coming over to the house soon so i tried to get this podcast out of the way here early this morning and get it edited hopefully i'll get it up later this afternoon and for everyone to download off the hopefully solid website now. So until next week, this is Rico signing off. Uh, Everyone have a good week. I'll, I'll see you on Wednesday for the Wednesday show and then next weekend, of course. Have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye.
This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.